This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We take on one of the most famous paranormal cases this week on the podcast. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where this week we're looking once again at the Battersea Poltergeist case. It's London 1956 in Battersea. Pat Boone's Albie Home is at the top of the charts and on Wycliffe Road in Battersea, behind the door of number 63, 15-year-old Shirley Hitchens finds a silver key on her pillow. She and her father tried the key in every lock in the house, but it didn't fit. Little did Shirley and her father know, this was the beginning of a chain of paranormal events that would torture them for 12 long years. Shirley had no idea that this key would put her at the centre of this activity, that her teenage years would be consumed by the poltergeists residing in their home, and that this case would attract international attention. Last week, we heard how Donald's activity over time became worse and worse, even including setting things on fire. Donald begins writing to Shirley, and we ended in the last episode where Donald reveals himself to be Louis XVII of France. If you want to hear the details, head to our last episode on the Battersea Poltergeist. Later in the show, we'll be chatting to Danny Robbins, but first... What are some of the theories behind this? What makes it such a famous case? Now, one thing to bear in mind is that Shirley married and left the home in 1965. At this time, Donald's presence was waning. Then she left London altogether, and by 1968, over 10 years later, Donald had finally gone for good. So why did the spirit of Donald go when Shirley left? Well, as I talked last week, I brought up the fact that this spirit, whoever it was, was connected to Shirley. Had they been connected in a past life? That we will never know. Also, Shirley wasn't a teenager anymore. Her energy had changed. Her mind and aura was now different. Maybe the spirit found this to be disturbing. Maybe it couldn't use her energy to manifest things as it had done previously. I know that according to Shirley, she received one last letter when she moved away and on a notepad by the phone, she saw a handwritten message that she recognised that read, I'm leaving. So, as you can imagine, many propose scientific explanations for this paranormal activity. These include the reasons for the noises being due to the house being on uneven marshland and others have suggested the acid in the soil led to the madness. 
Others think that Shirley manufactured Donald herself as a means of attracting attention and making demands that would work to her advantage. Over the 12 years that the hauntings took place, around three to 4,000 written messages were delivered to the family from Donald. And that was 60 messages per day at the height of the haunting. Handwriting experts have analysed the letters and concluded that they were almost certainly written by Shirley. So, had she written all the letters? What about the ones that were written in a locked room set up by Chib? which he did, a controlled experiment, locking the door in the room. He left a pad and a pen and they said, Donald, write your messages in there. And apparently there were messages written in there. So that's fascinating. Through the letters, Shirley was able to move out of her shared room with her parents and was given money for more fashionable clothes and hairstyles. Seems like everything was done in Shirley's favour. What do you think to that? With the original house demolished, as I said, in the late 60s, there's no way for us to investigate this activity. Shirley described the events as robbing her of her childhood. And the ending of this story for me is the best. So let's fast forward to the 1980s and Shirley is enjoying her day at a local craft fair. Suddenly, a woman approached her, a woman she'd never met before and told her that she was a medium. This woman then described to Shirley the spirit of a little boy dressed in blue satin and has a fine head of red hair. Shirley remembered a postcard that Chib had sent to her years earlier of Louis Charles, a little boy dressed in blue who had a mass of red hair. Also years later, Shirley's daughter was at a psychic evening. Whilst there, the medium said she was in contact with a little boy who said he was very sorry for all the trouble that he had caused. Coincidence? I think not. Now this week, our story comes from the other side of the world in Queensland, Australia, and it's from Steve. Hello Yvette and Molly. This is Steve down in Australia. Love the show. I'm going to share with you something that has just happened to me on the weekend and then I'll tell you what I think about it. So I was in a car, my brother was driving and we were heading across to get the ferry to Maclay Island. This is in southeast Queensland. We passed a woman walking a dog. I got a really good look at the dog and the woman. The dog had strawberry hair and blonde hair and it was a uh, some sort of border cross and the woman was wearing a navy pants suit quite uh, business like and uh, mid 30s black hair I got a really good look so we went past and I commented on the dog and I said uh, said what a what a cute dog and my brother commented on the dog he said oh yes it looks like such and such that my friend had a dog his friend had now we traveled another 10 minutes I'm estimating so you cover a fair distance in a car and we passed a woman walking a dog and I noticed immediately it's the same woman now it makes no sense and I said to him look it's the same woman he looked and well he was driving so he couldn't look as much but he said oh it's, it's got to be a different woman Anyway, we're talking about it and he said, well, it's not like somebody just uh, jumps in a car after you drive past them, races up ahead of you, 
gets out of the car, the car takes off and then they walk the dog so that you see them again. Like, nobody does that. No, of course not. It's ridiculous. It's impossible. That's not what's happening. So what else could it be? You know, it's not a different woman and not a different dog. Uh, I got, as I say, and I'm just going to emphasize it again, I got a really, really good look both times. It's the same woman. And so I'm still obsessing about this and I want to know what this is because it's, um, you know, it was broad daylight. Another possible explanation, and I asked him this just after it, I said, are you sure that you know the best way to get here? Is it possible that you're going a very inefficient way and instead of just going, you know, one street this way, you've gone in a huge circle each time you come here and you don't realise that you're doing that and she's walked just a short distance and covered that in the same time as you have had to drive all of this way. And he was a bit annoyed at me that I should suggest something like that. Um, And fair enough, because he has been travelling that route for years while he's been building a little house over there. So, uh, and probably, he probably used GPS in the beginning anyway. So fair enough, I respect that. As part of his job, he's driving all over the place. He knows his way around. If it's not that, then I'm at paranormal explanations. And I've thought of, okay, what if it's a sort of a time slip? So we see her at the end of her journey and then we see her at the beginning of her journey because she was walking the opposite direction both times. But who would walk their dog that distance? It's way too far for anyone to just go out for a stroll with their dog. So even then, then, if it's a time slip, the two places that we saw her don't make any sense. So now the spatial aspect is wrong. So what else can it be? I'm baffled and I'm disturbed. But I've heard lots of stories like this from people calling into podcasts where They've seen the same person or the same car sometimes three times where it should be impossible. Um, it should be impossible. My brother dismissed it more easily than I can because I'm the woo-woo one in the family and I want to know what's going on. Anyway, very, very strange. I didn't think I would ever have one of these. I thought a lot of these stories are made up and when you see it right there in the stark light of day, it's... Uh, It's just a a creepy feeling. So anyway, I thought it was time that I called in and this was a perfect opportunity. Very, very odd. So keep doing what you're doing and thank you so much. Hi, Steve. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Hi, Steve. It's wonderful to be hearing from you and from the other side of the world. I can hear in your voice complete and utter puzzlement. I love the fact that you've looked into every kind of logical explanation possible, but frustratingly enough, can't seem to find an answer. It could have been a time slip, but I agree. There seems to have been too much distance between the sightings. So there are many sightings of ghosts that are seen at different times in different places. For example, many years ago, a young military woman was accidentally killed on her base. Her ghost has been seen walking around the base. And let me tell you, it's a massive base, a few miles squared. Her ghost is seen 
regularly. She's solid and wearing her uniform and she's been witnessed in many different areas at different times. So perhaps this woman you saw walking her dog was a spirit. In life, maybe she loved to walk that area. I don't know exactly how many miles it was when you saw her again, but could she have walked that perhaps a long hike, walking out for the day? If yes, then she was showing herself to you and your brother. I wonder if there was an accident or perhaps a murder in that area. Can you possibly research it? If not, then we can move on to another theory. Maybe the ghost of the woman liked you and your brother's energy upon the first sighting whilst you were both walking. She then decided to materialise later when you're in your car. Don't forget there's been ghostly apparitions picked up by the side of the road. As solid as you or me, the driver has driven for some miles, tried to have a conversation with their new companion, and then suddenly that silent passenger has simply vanished. I totally believe your experience, Steve. And as you have ruled out all logical possibilities, it leads me, like you, to think that this was definitely paranormal. Please let me know if you find anything out regarding this woman and her dog, a death perhaps in the area, like I mentioned. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But it could be the key to unlocking the mystery of the dog walking woman. From one woo woo to another, lots of love and a big hug to you and your brother. Get in touch yourselves with any paranormal stories you've had. And if you have had a paranormal or unexplained experience, please let us know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Danny Robbins. He's an award-winning broadcaster, writer, journalist, and creator of podcasts like Uncanny, Haunted, and of course, who can forget the Battersea Poltergeist. And he's here with me to tell us more about the Battersea Poltergeist, which is what we're focusing on today. And I want to actually uh, chat to you a little bit about your new podcast, um, The Witch Farm. Welcome, Danny Robbins. Thank you. Hello, Yvette. Hello. I feel, I feel like we should have had a big round of applause then played in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It really is an absolute pleasure. So let's just get straight to it. I mean, you know, now you've become a, 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 a an expert now because you've been delving into the world of the paranormal. And am I making this up in my mind, but were you a lover of Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World as well as I? Well, I mean, I remember watching it. Yes. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, all these all these things feed into your your desire and interest for the paranormal, don't they? I mean, I, I remember that. I remember the Usborne World of the Unknown books, like reading those in the school library. And um, and just like, I remember going to see The Woman in Black as a kid on stage when as I was a quite kid? young and just being really struck by that. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you were brave. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I've been to see it again as an adult, and I was still as scared. I think. Oh. But then, I think lots, lot, lots of different things, really. And um, I just think I was kind of fascinated by the idea that there was something more out there, some layer of magic beyond the ordinary. So, you did all your research. Obviously, you've loved everything to do with the the paranormal, as have I. But there are so many poltergeist cases, as you know, out there in the world. What made you choose? the Battersea case to focus a whole, you know, radio documentary slash drama on. Yeah, I mean, Battersea was a, an interesting one. It, it kind of landed on my lap when I was making my first series, Haunted. And Haunted had come out of me doing research for my play, 222, a ghost story that's on at the moment in, in the West End. And um, it's about a couple where the woman and the family believes that she's seen a ghost in the house and the husband doesn't believe in ghosts. And it's about that kind of tug between belief and scepticism. And when I was researching that, I just basically did a shout out on social media saying, has anybody seen a ghost? Has anybody got a ghost story to tell me? And I started getting loads of stories coming in. And soon it wasn't just friends. It was like friends of friends and strangers. And so Haunted came out of that because I just had all these amazing stories and I wanted to tell them. And then whilst I was making that, somebody told me about the Battersea case. And they said, there's this incredible woman uh, who's in her 80s now, but was a teenager when it happened back in the 50s. And um, and she's got this big box of material on the case. And it's an incredible story. And I, I went and met the woman and heard her. And this is Shirley Hitchings, who's the heart of this story. And as soon as I spoke to Shirley, I was hooked. You know, I could feel there was something in her voice that, that told me that she was still scared 65 years on. And so at that point, I just thought, you know, this is a story I've got to tell. And and, and I didn't think I realised at that point, but actually now looking back, I feel like, you know, Battersea is now a case that sits on this kind of pantheon of the great British hauntings. You know, I think, you know, I, I would make the argument it's a more interesting and more complex and, and more disturbing case than the Enfield case, really. So I think it's it's fascinating. And I felt very lucky to get to tell that story. Now, I'm going <laughs> to... Everybody's going to roll their eyes at me now. Now, I am very much into this knocking, rapping, tapping phenomena. Now, we get it every time we do an investigation. And in fact, we've built our own seance 
little shed in the in the land here that we have. And we go in every week and we do like a seance. Sure enough, the knocking starts happening. You can feel it under your feet. You can hear it in the walls. You're not quite sure where it's coming from uh, because it moves around. Now, in every case that I've ever looked at and investigated, there's always the knocking phenomena. And I get very frustrated and I'm going through a phase now where I'm trying to grab every single journalist that I can. Recently, we just had um, a journalist come over um, to our house. They experienced this phenomena and she actually spoke to, and this is what I love about the Battersea Poltergeist case, is that Harold Chibbert actually brought, didn't he, he wrote out the letters of the alphabet and then pointed to a letter and asked the spirit, you know, Donald, can you just tap out, you know, a letter and then they would make up words and so on. Well, that's what we've been doing. Uh, unbeknownst to me, you know, we just sort of came across it ourselves and we've had the most extraordinary information coming through. And I get very frustrated, um, Danny, because I think that the world needs to know more about this because we are in communication with uh, a conscious spirit that is talking to us, spelling out names, places, dates that are then verified. Surely science should be more involved. Should, don't you think that scientists should be coming along with microphones and measuring these noises and trying to find out what's creating it, how it's being created and tapping into it more and how we can build on that? I think it's so interesting. And I think that, you know, you'll, you'll have heard in our shows, we often have, well, we pretty much always have the sceptic and believer experts in there giving their theories on stuff. And I think the thing about sceptic explanations for hauntings that people often get frustrated about is that it's often given at a real distance. You know, it, it's a kind of one size fits all thing. Like, you know, they, they'll listen to a story, they'll go, well, I, well, it was probably sleep paralysis or it was probably infrasound. And you go, well, actually, I mean, I don't know, in the specifics of this situation, I'm not sure that that does explain it. And, you know, it's about when you go deep and when you really listen to the stories and you get into the kind of nuances and the complexities of that moment of time, that it becomes more complicated, I think. And the reality is more complicated than sometimes maybe the sceptics um, will allow for. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, the idea of communication with something else is just incredible because as human beings, that's pretty much our modus operandi, isn't it, to communicate? I mean, that, that is what sets us apart from mm. other species. And it's what we spend our entire lives doing. And we've evolved that over history to be able to communicate. We've gone from cave paintings to being able to send millions of words with the touch of a button. And the idea that that would stop when we die and, you know, we just stop communicating does feel weird, you know, doesn't it? And like, I mean, you spend all your time doing this thing and then just suddenly it stops. And so I think the idea that we can communicate after death is incredibly appealing and it and appeals to all of us because we want we want that idea that we you know that we can carry on that we don't just stop when we die yeah. um I, I don't know i mean you know i i'm on this journey of uh you know i would describe myself as a as a skeptic who wants to believe and i'm constantly confronted by things like what you've just described to me where where it seems to offer some sort of hope or proof that that is possible. And I, I love that idea. I mean, when you tell me stuff like that, I'm instantly excited. I'm like, I'd like to be there. I want to hear that. You know, it feels like this Please adventure. come, please. <laughs> will you come? Danny, I'm inviting you now, right? I know you, you're in London and we're in Cheshire. Please just come, come to my house. 
me and Carl stand together. We can take our shoes off. You can see there's nothing there. There's, you can do what you want. Bring a flipping scientist, anything you want. It's happening and it's happening all the time. We'll go into uh, an old uh, shop and it's, it's embarrassing. It starts happening underneath our feet and it's bang, 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 bang. And it's getting louder and louder. And I believe that when you are opening yourself up to this world, you'll, it, it, it's all to do with energy. So we're like little dynamos and we're, cause we're doing these investigations every weekend, week in, week out, week in, week out. We're doing it all the time. So I imagine that we're sort of like, I don't know, creating more electricity that they can feed off. And I, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what's happening, but it's happening. And like I say, we've recently had journalists round. They've recorded it. And the journalist ended up through the tapping and through uh, Harry Chibbets, I'll call it his theory, but, you know, pointing to the letters. She spoke to her mother who'd passed over during COVID and she hadn't had closure well, by the end of the session, she was in complete tears. The camera crew were in tears. They'd recorded everything going, this is, this is absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm not saying, Oh, you know, it, it, we're, we're doing it. Not at all. I'm just saying this phenomena out there that seems to be replicated in each of these cases. And it needs to be, it needs to be really, truly investigated. And I know, you know, parapsychologists said, well, it needs to be in a controlled environment. Of course it does. Absolutely. But I'm after finding someone that will come and put us in a controlled environment in, I don't know, and see what happens because something is happening. No, Sorry, no, I'm no, just no, blurting I mean, it at you. There's, there's that, there's that <laughs> theory of recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, RSPK, you know, that idea that... Um, yes that hauntings can come from within people and that you produce Abs We're causing the it, yes. You know, which is really interesting because it's, you know, the paranormal is such a spectrum, isn't it? And you don't have to necessarily believe in the dead coming back to life. You could you could absolutely believe in the existence of the paranormal coming from living people. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, are, are there certain people who, you know, have this ability to kind of produce these kind of effects? I mean, you know, you look at, you know, like a, a, a Yuri Geller, you know, um, that, that, that idea that there might be somebody with kind of psychokinetic powers. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just feel like it's it's such a delicious, deep, dark well of of the unknown. And I, that's why I love looking into it. Yeah. And you you, you do these amazing, um, you know, the, the dramas and the documentaries are fantastic. And they honestly are so wonderful for the paranormal world, the people that like us, whether you're an open-minded skeptic, a complete cynic, or a believer like myself, it really helps to open people's eyes. And even if, you know, a husband and a wife, you know, the husband's a complete believer, and they're listening to one of your, you know, the documentary, let's say, and drama of Battersea Poltergeist that you did, and, you know, they're listening to it. And at the end, what it's doing is it's making them have an argument or a conversation or a, you know, a debate. Well, I, well, what a load of rubbish. Well, what about this? What about that? It, that people are thinking about it. And that's the most important thing. I absolutely love also in the paranormal world how a lot of it can give so much comfort to people who have lost people, you know, you know, who've died and passed on. And, and it does give them comfort, doesn't it? 
I, I think that's really true, actually. And I, I'm really interested in that idea of the link between grief and paranormal experiences. And we did an episode of my first series, Haunted, about that, actually, which was about f- three different people talking about their grief experiences. And, you know, like one of them was just kind of beautifully mundane. It was just the fact that she smelt Lynx Africa in her house. And that had been a, her husband's scent. And that she felt it was him being close coming back. And then little nice moments about like knocking a pint glass over in a pub when some annoying woman was talking too much. And he, she sort of felt that was him playing a little practical joke. I mean, it's, it's that, you know, that, that gray area between absence and presence, you know, you feel somebody's absence so profoundly, you know, can that trick you into feeling that there is a presence there or, or is there literally some sort of link? Is somebody literally kind of coming back and, and passing on a message, I, you know, I, that for me is so interesting and so powerful. And we did, um, there was an episode of my series Uncanny, which was all about, it was called My Best Friend's Ghost. And it was all about somebody who spoke to a medium and the medium gave the, the, the literal words that were the last words that her friend had said to her. And she said them to her and there seemed no way on earth that she could have known it. And I think those kind of moments are amongst the most compelling and the most convincing, really. I think, you know, there's, there's something about that personal level of it. You know, if 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 a medium can know something that nobody else in the world should be able to know, then you you find it very hard to explain. Exactly, and and they've definitely got a gift, haven't they? So going back to um, the Battersea Poltergeist case, it turns out in the end that ov- obviously um, they give the nickname of the poltergeist a, a nickname of Donald, um, and then it turns out he reveals to everybody. Sorry, it's a spoiler, everybody. Close your close your ears if you don't want to find out if you've not listened yet. It's revealed that um, the ghost was uh, Louis the Sixteenth's lost son. What do you think to that ending? I mean, are you very skeptical about the fact that? Because I think I read that you didn't believe that that was the case. What What do you think? Uh, my feeling on that, and my feeling is different to Shirley's. You know, I mean, Shirley, I think, does definitely believe that it was the Dauphin, the young. French prince who'd been killed during the revolution. And I think I, I can totally see why she believes that because I think she wants it all to make sense to her. And it, this is a, a nice ending to the story. And it's a story, an ending that sort of makes it feel less frightening, I guess, you know, that it was a, a little lost boy who came and contacted her rather than something more threatening and more frightening. But I I think I, I don't go along with that. I feel like there are sort of various different things that, that make that less likely to be true. I think just the communications, the way they were coming through, the kind of bad French that was coming through didn't feel to me like it was genuinely coming from a young French boy. I, I, my, I guess my take on it is that I, I do feel like there's a load of phenomena in that case that feels to me like it is utterly inexplicable and you could make an absolutely incredibly strong case that this is genuine paranormal phenomena that this is one of the most significant poltergeist hauntings ever and i think that's mostly across the first 18 months of the case and then you see this thing where it settles into a kind of what i would call like supernatural stockholm syndrome where you've got this family cooped up you know almost in a way like we all were during lockdown they're kind of in this house all the time they've got the press outside and they've got this poltergeist force inside and they all go a little stir crazy and i wonder if at that point if there is an element of um you know kind of either their imaginations taking over or kind of people sort of unconsciously wanting to steer things in certain ways you know maybe chibbit having a a kind of 
a role there in kind of misinterpreting messages potentially. Or the other take on it, which you know some people have posited, is that poltergeists can be these trickster spirits, and that actually he could have been communicating and claiming to be this French prince, and actually this is a kind of you know, an alter ego or a kind of, you know, a sort of disguise for who it really is. So I think there's loads of questions to answer. But I think if you had to pin me to the ground and say, you know, do you think this was the ghost of the Dauphin? I I don't feel it is. Um, And out of all the crazy things that happened in that house, the writing on the wall, you know, right to the very beginning with the key appearing, you know, on, on her pillow... What's your most favourite bit that just makes you go, oh, my God, this is insane. I can't believe What sort of was that pinpoint moment that just blew your mind? There's so many jaw-dropping moments, I think. But, um, I mean, Shirley telling me that she saw pots and pans fly through the air. I mean, that's hard to beat. Slippers walking around the house of their own accord. I mean, all of these things, if you just put yourself in that moment and imagine what that would be like. You, 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 it doesn't take a lot to realise that that's a life-changing moment. That is something that you're literally stepping from one concept of reality to another. And so I think that that's huge and profound. I, I feel a great deal of sympathy for Shirley, I think. And she was this 15-year-old girl caught in the midst of this maelstrom of, and male being the operative word, of, of, um, of media reporters, of journalists, a lot of male reporters kind of putting her in a very um, sort of sexualized and kind of quite um, prurient light, uh, you know, about this ghost boyfriend and um, just, you know, like really quite seedy, salacious stuff, really. And it was that era of, yeah. you know, the, the, the era that when teenagers were invented as a concept in the 50s and a lot of very sort of sexually charged ways of describing young girls, you know, that kind of rock and roll era. And um, and so I think like seeing what happened to Shirley then and then seeing how she's been able to tell her story again on her own terms as an 80-year-old and how empowering that was, I think for me that's another massive take home from this. I think that that is incredible to watch that journey that she's been on. Now, moving away from Battersea, um, (laughs) now everybody that knows me and knows the podcast, they'll tell you that, oh, you can't ask Yvette to watch anything or listen to anything spooky because I can't. I know this sounds strange. So I had to read about the witch farm because if you imagine, Danny, here I am, an investigator. Not, we don't just film uh, investigations. We actually do private ones as well. So we, we're doing it all the time. Now, I can't have any imagery whatsoever <laughs> in my mind because then when I'm dealing with the real thing, my imagination will be 10 times as bad. So I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't watch it. So it's absolutely no disrespect to, to uh, your work. Uh, it's just, too spooky for me. So the witch farm, <laughs> I know the witch farms, but I do know it's a, it sounds incredibly exciting. And it's all about this, this young couple and, um, they, uh, they, they sort of hire out this, this farmhouse in the Brecon Beacons in, in Wales. And of course, you know, it's you writing it, isn't it? You know, and, 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 and all sorts of things start to happen in this house. So just just tell us a little bit more about it without spoiling it for anybody. It looks amazing, by the way. Sure. I mean, yes, I mean, it's another real life case, just like Battersea. And it's, um, you know, we, we take this kind of true crime approach to it, like with Battersea, we call it, you know, this paranormal cold case. And it's essentially a really strange haunting from 1989. Well, it runs for seven years, so 89 into the 90s. And um, 
And yeah, you, like you say, it takes place in the Brecon Beacons in this kind of beautiful, remote, you know, probably one of the most remote parts of the UK. And really, it, it all came about because in the wake of Battersea, I did say, I mean, I say this at the beginning of the Witch Arm, Battersea pushed me to the very brink. It took me from being a fairly robust skeptic to being teetering over that, that, that um, you know, that, that leap into belief. And, um, and I guess I was looking for the thing that would push me over the edge. And... Um, We've, I felt like we'd set a really high bar with Battersea. It was such a strange case, such a rich case, spanning such a time, like 12 years, you know, and I and I needed a case that could kind of hit that high bar and looked around a lot, found a lot of things that didn't feel quite right. And then just somebody introduced me to this case and to the woman at the heart of it, Liz Rich. And like with Shirley and Battersea, as soon as I spoke to her and you hear that little catch in her voice and that sense that she's still scared talking about it 30 years later... And I, and I was drawn in and I was hooked in. And, and for me, it's interesting because Battersea was very much about focusing on Shirley, this teenager, that kind of thing that we have almost come to expect from poltergeist cases, I guess, that there's a, a young person at the heart of it. Mm. This felt different. This was about a couple. It was, a, you know, Liz was in her early 30s. Bill was a little bit older. He's an artist. You know, she was just about to have their first baby. They also had a teenage son with them. Um, and they move into this lovely old farmhouse in the wilds of nowhere the foot of a mountain and at first it's idyllic it seems lovely they love it and then just terrifying things happen and the phenomena is off the scale it's it's i mean i would say there's more phenomena than battersea you know there's like poltergeist activity but there's also alleged possession there is physical injury and for me most interestingly there is apparitions and not just one but multiple apparitions from multiple periods and seen by multiple people and so I love that because actually I mean you'll probably notice that um you know like I I mean I get sent loads of ghost stories and we talk about ghost stories but actually seeing a ghost is quite rare and a a hell of a lot of ghostly experiences are are the rest of our senses their 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 feelings their maybe smell their their certainly noises you know but actually seeing something you know seeing is believing we say and it feels like that should be incontrovertible proof you see a full body apparition in front of you you feel like how do you possibly not believe in that absolutely that's it you've not imagined it you've seen it sometimes the ones that i've seen are solid they look like you or me and sometimes not quite there i've seen part of a ghost legs walking on their own torsos it's incredible and I know, like you say, seeing is believing. So that did it for me. So carry on. Sorry, I interrupted you there. It's fascinating. No, no, no. I mean, so, so I mean, basically, it, you know, it, I felt like I'd hit the jackpot. It's an incredible case, and you know, I tell it in the same way that I told Battersea, which is this mixture of drama and documentary. And and the reason I did that on Battersea was because the case had happened in the 1950s. It was an era before people had access to ways of recording stuff. And um, it was the era before a TV crew would turn up on your doorstep in the way that they did at the Enfield haunting. And um, and so it was a way of creating my own archive and bringing these people and these events to life, you know. And then, you know, it just worked really well. And it sort of felt like it worked really well for the witch farm as well. And again, this is pre-smartphone era. You know, there's no, you know, pre the era when you routinely filmed your family. So we don't have lots of footage of these people there's a little bit of tv stuff from a tv documentary about it that was shot sort of later on in the case 
But um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, and it works well. And we've got Joseph Fiennes, who some people will have been watching in The Handmaid's Tale or Shakespeare in Love. He plays Bill and uh, Alexandra Roach, this great up-and-coming actress playing um, Liz. And, you know, people like Reese Shearsmith from The League of Gentlemen and Inside Number 9 crops up. And, um, you know, it, it's it's... Yeah, it's a great cast. And, and then we have Liz Rich, the woman at the heart of it, telling me her story. Uh, and, you know, within it, we do the kind of experiments we did in Battersea as well, where you kind of go out and you try and prove or disprove things out on location. Yeah, I love how you do that. You're encompassing every every which way you can to talk about it and investigate. It's very, very clever and riveting. And uh, like I say, I'll wait to read more about it rather than listen to it. <laughs> Well, people, people who are brave enough to listen, they, they, we've dropped episode one dropped uh, on Monday, seventeenth of October, and it's one a week from that point on. So it runs until early December, one a week, and we, you know we're releasing it in that serial way we did with Battersea. But I, I have to say, we want people's help as well. Like all of my series, it's I, I think of these as a conversation. It's a two way thing and I'm, I'm sure you have this on your part as well I, I feel like you know this only makes sense when people are talking back to you you know you don't want to be talking to yourself you know so we want people to be asking us questions and sending us their theories and we'll be including those in the program and you know if you've got experiences you want to tell me about tell me them you know so I, I'd love to start this conversation and, and hopefully that you know that will happen already we've got some interesting leads coming in. Oh, well, you definitely have lots, you know, after listening to uh, to this podcast. It's, it's a wonderful community and, 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 and you know, it, it's lovely how we're all invested in, and so fascinated by the whole thing. And, and like you say, you know, people, you go to a dinner party, don't you? And, and people might say, oh, what do you do? And then I'll tell them. And then everybody around the table, oh, you know, I've known this. I haven't had a, a, an experience myself, but my dad has. Or Everybody's had or knows of somebody that's had some kind of paranormal experience. And we're not all mad. So, Danny, where can um, people find um, all your work? I know you have a website, but where can they go? So it's just specifically about you and all your work, uh, a one shop there. So what's the address of your website? <laughs> Yeah, so my my website is dannyrobbins.com and I am 1B in Robbins. So that, that question, two Bs or not two Bs, that is the question. It's, it's <laughs> one, one, one P in Robbins. But um, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, I mean, I've, there's all sorts of different things people can track me down with at the moment. My, my play 222, A Ghost Story, which is, spoiler alert, a ghost story. Um, it's, um, it's on in the West End <laughs> at the moment. I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're doing a tour next year. And uh, it's also amazingly opening in Los Angeles just before Halloween as well, oh which is God, exciting. Oh, my God, how amazing is that? Yeah, you made know, it into La La Land. Pretty cool. I'm going to go out there for a bit. Um, and, oh, and wonderful. I've got, I've got my other show, uh, The Gunpowder Plot Immersive at the Tower of London as well, which is not paranormal but it does kind of feel part of that same world it's kind of you know it's got a spooky oh, that quality sound, to it now that's yeah. some yeah that sounds like something i could watch without sitting there shaking yeah amazing well, I mean, what, what you know in, t- in terms of if you're going to come back as a ghost i mean that that period that bloody jacobean oh. as in bloody yes. as in literally bloody not swearing <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know that, that that period is is uh so ripe for, for things coming back to haunt you so yeah so there's those two live shows and then yeah the witch farm and battersea poltergeist and uncanny are all on bbc sounds and, and also every other podcast platform and and then my early show haunted as well is, is out there too so yeah you know and i'm always looking for ghost stories you know and i'm always looking for 
people who want to come and tell me them. So, you know, do not be afraid to get in touch. How absolutely wonderful. Danny, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, and I know you're going to be inundated now. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a huge thanks to all our lovely listeners for sharing their paranormal stories with us. You can get in touch and share your own stories at this address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp where you can leave your uh, voice notes, and this is the number 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram, and the handle is at paranormalactivitypod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. Go on and we'll be back again same time next week but if you can't wait until then visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early you lucky things have a great week stay safe and remember things aren't always as they seem Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.